just want to thank you for your generous giving and our partnership in the gospel. As you think about your relationship to God, how would you describe it? You think you and God, what's that look like? There's a book called With. Uh, the author is named Sky Jathani. I read half of it this week. And he identifies five ways that people relate to God. And so I just want to uh, give him credit right out of the gate because the first, like, Half of this sermon is a lot of stuff that I gathered from his material, so I want to let you know that. But he highlights five ways that people relate to God, and and it goes like this. Sometimes you have life uh, under God, life under God. Sometimes you view life over God. Sometimes it's life from God or life for God. And he's going to suggest that we probably should consider life with God. God. I just want to highlight these five different ways and funnel it into to that center category as we get to our text from Luke chapter 9. But, but what's life under God look like? Because many of us, you know, we talk about we must submit our lives to the authority of God. That's scriptural. That's a very good thing. And most of these, with the exception of probably one, there's some very good scriptural ideas. But if we don't look at all of scripture, we could get kind of out of sink and out of focus. And even in our coinage, we say that we are one nation under God. So it's okay to have life under God, right? He's in charge and we are not. It's very true. But when taken to an extreme, it could be dangerous to live under God because you view that anything you do, you're trying to win God's favor, So like if I do good things under God's lordship, then good things will come. But if I get out of his bounds, then bad things are going to come. And we kind of have this balancing act. And it's sort of hard to make sure that we're always on God's good side. Are you following me? Have you been there? Sometimes people think, well, as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'm under God's protection and God's going to take care of me. Life under God. One example that Jathani gives in his book is from November 28, 2010. Buffalo Bills receiver Steve Johnson in a football game against their rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It goes to overtime. The pass comes to Steve Johnson in the end zone. Game-winning touchdown, and he drops it. He drops the game-winning touchdown. And in his Twitter, uh, after the game, here's what he says. I praise you, God, 24-7, and this is how you do me. He's blaming God for him dropping the pass. You expect me to learn from this? How? I will never forget this ever. Life under God. You blame God for when bad things happen. That's one way we can relate to God. Another way we can relate to God is what Jathani says is life over God. And you go to the Bible, but it's just to get some principles. It's just to get some some strategies. And you really kind of, God's there and and I'm here. And you have the picture even of the, the triangle representing God. And he's kind of like standing on top of this. You kind of tell God what to do. And let's be honest, this is not a healthy place to be. 
Uh, some people view God as, okay, you may have created the world, but you kind of went on vacation, and this thing's just kind of ticking on its own. We call that deism. That's, that's, that kind of would be in this realm. Others are like, I have no need for God, and we call it atheism. And some of us would say, yeah, I follow Jesus, but our daily walk really doesn't say anything about how we love Jesus, and maybe, dare we say, we have life over God. Sometimes you go to, to the scriptures and you just want to pull out this principle, you want to pull out this truth, but there's not this engagement with God. There's not really a relationship with God when you have this idea of life over God. And even they highlight strategy over spirituality, life over God. There's another way that we can experience our relationship to God, and that would be life from God. And so God's there, and, and we just want things from Him. And, and I'll be honest, I talk about this, that God has good gifts for us. It's in the Scripture, James 1. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, from the Father of the heavenly lights. So it's okay to look to God. In fact, even each day I pray, God, send me your helpers. And so we look at life as from God, everything is a gift, which is true, but if we're not careful, we just kind of view God as this slot machine. And, you know, God, I'll put in a couple of prayers and you send down some blessings. And, you know, there's even Christian leaders say, I think God wants us to have nice things. I don't know if that's in the Bible. And there's other people that will say, I mean, it, you, you give them the label, it's the health wealth gospel. It's the, the name it and claim it, that prosperity that God wants you to be rich. And, I mean, you can find some of those verses in the Bible of how God prospered some people, but is that the whole teaching of Scripture? I'd be very cautious to have this life from God. I think it's what gets those television evangelists in trouble. I remember growing up when I was, you know, eight, nine years old, and you heard those TV preachers on on the news and I mean that's we're still dealing with that and you still see that every once in a while of of Christians in the name of Jesus and and they're just have this crazy wealth around them and I'm not saying that wealth's bad you know it's, it can be used for good but what's the goal here there's a team of uh, researchers named Jean Twang and again Jathani highlights their research and they suggest that consumerism is a major, uh, has, con has uh, contributed to a major rise in mental illness. I mean, just to be honest, how often are you on Amazon in a given week? And so sometimes consumerism can, ri can rise mental illness. He says, we have become a culture so focused on material things and less on relationships. Just want stuff. I think that's danger for us here in America. And so life from God. This next one really hits me. It's life for God. And so you're trying to, to just give, 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 do, 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 do good things for God, stay on mission for God. You hear me preach these sermons. In fact, next week's mission word is going to be about we've got to just do what Jesus tells us to do. So we've got to be careful. But life for God, we highlight, unless you're a preacher, unless you're a missionary, are you really following God all the way? We've got to be careful. I think we can serve God with wherever we are. Would you agree? 
I hope and pray. But if we got to be danger, if we, there's some danger of, of isolating, just working for God, that we just serve God, but we miss the king in service of the kingdom. Are you following me? It's dangerous for us as preachers to be so busy doing Jesus stuff that we actually miss Jesus. Phil Vischer, in his book, Me, Myself, and Bob, are you familiar with him? He's the VeggieTales guy. Remember the VeggieTales guy? He's on our Right Now Media. Uh, Jathani gives them this quote too. So Vischer says, The more I dove into Scripture, the more I realized I had been deluded. He just, you know, work for God, work for God, work for God. He said, I'd grown up drinking a dangerous cocktail, a mix of the gospel, Protestant work ethic, and the American dream. The Savior I was, followed, the Savior I was following seemed, in hindsight, equal parts, that's the key, equal parts Jesus, Benjamin Franklin, and Henry Ford. Now, those guys are good, but if it's equal to Jesus and Henry Ford and Ben Franklin, I think we're in danger here. He says, my eternal value was rooted in what I could accomplish. And so if our, if our kind of base for, for faithfulness to Jesus is what we accomplish, there's some danger there. Life for God. And so Jathani says, let's boil it all down. We, it can't be under God, can't be over God, can't be from God, can't be for God. It's got to be with God. Life with God. So I came here today to say, let's pursue life with God, life with Jesus. Each of those have some truth in them, other than over God. I don't know where the truth is there. I don't think that is. But, but the other ones, you know, from, for, under, there's some truths in there. But I think it's incomplete. But with, I think, can help us. In fact, I've titled this sermon series through Luke, Journey with Jesus. Want to journey with Jesus. And so are you ready to, to journey with Jesus with me today? Journey with Jesus. He Sky Jasani says it this way: life with God is different because its goal is not to use God, its goal is God. He <laughs> God ceases to be a device we employ or a commodity we consume. Instead, God Himself becomes the focus of our desire. But before we can really desire God, we must have a clear understanding of who he is and what he's like. The reason most people gravitate to one of the other four postures is because they've never received a clear vision of who God is, and so they settle for something less. And so I want to take us to Luke chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, where we're going to get our word for today with. And we're going to anchor in Luke 9 for the next two or three weeks because there's just some discipleship things happening. And the goal for this series of Journey with Jesus through Luke is I just want to look at Jesus and the disciples and what's going on. And so as I walk through Luke, I just say, Jesus and disciples, where's the relationship? What are you calling them to do? And, and there's some times where Jesus says, I want you to understand some things. There's some times where Jesus says, I want you to understand and know stuff. There's other times where you remember when, when the fishing nets got, got pulled back up on the shore, the disciples, they left everything to follow Jesus, leave. Next, we're going to actually talk about do, but this week is with. Let's just be with Jesus for a moment. Are you ready? Two simple verses. Luke chapter 9, verse 10. 
When the, when the apostles returned, that's interesting, a lot of times they're disciples, but this one describes them as apostles. The word apostle means someone who's sent out on a mission. So when the apostles returned, where'd they return from? Go back up to chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus called the twelve together, that's another with type word. They're together, they're with one another. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So here's the mission. I'm going to send you guys out. I'm giving you power to heal. You preach about the kingdom of God. Those two themes we're going to see again in verse 11. Preach the kingdom of God. Heal those who are in need. So they've just come back from that, that mission, and they're spending time with Jesus. They're returning. They're reporting to Jesus. Jesus, you should have seen this. Met this guy who couldn't walk, placed our hands on him. He, he, it's a miracle. Your power works. And he started walking. And we started preaching the kingdom. And, and people were listening. Not everyone, but there were some people that were, 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 were following. And so they're just going around. I wonder what it was like around the campfire that night. Do you ever picture Jesus, do you ever picture Jesus just hanging around a campfire? Let's be honest. I think Jesus spent a lot of time around campfires with his disciples. Just talking spending time with one another. And so they're reporting to them, to Jesus about their mission. Here's what's happening. Then the next sentence, then Jesus took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Bethsaida is a town, it sounds like it's a fishing village around the Sea of Galilee. It could be the hometown of Peter and those fishermen. And so he says, let's come with me. And they withdrew away from the crowds. This word to take away, take with me, is a couple of ways. It could just say, you know, come along. Come along with me. It could be also, come along, I want to teach you something. I'm going to take you off to the side so we can have a lesson. And so he's like, come with me. And it says that they withdrew. You see the two words there. And so they're in this quiet place and they're just talking Come along for some teaching. One of our goals for this year is leadership development here at church. And we were at a conference this past week, and guess what some other churches feel like they have a need to do? Leadership development. There's just a void of, of leaders, just raising up leaders everywhere. And so uh, one of my mottos this, this year, and just kind of in general, is just take someone with you. Just take someone with you. Uh, we took a van load. There was five of us that went down to Joplin to the preaching teaching convention. Take someone with you. Last Saturday, I had the opportunity to go make a hospital call with one, to one of our members. It uh, doesn't always work out every time, but I just try to. When I go make hospital calls, I'll try and take someone with me. So I call up one of our leaders. Hey, go to the hospital tomorrow. You want to come? You don't have to, but come in if you want to. I said, sure, love to. So we get there. Uh, get ready to get in the car. We pray. I always want to. So I'm, I'm teaching while I'm doing this. You see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm sneaky. You've got to watch us, okay? I'm watching. So I'm like, we're going to pray. Uh, I'm just trying to, sh trying to rub off on, on people. And so come with me. We did some praying because, you know, go to the hospital, COVID. It's hard to kind of get through different things and open the doors, cut through red tape, help us to go pray with our, our, our member here at church. And so we get there and you know, they patted us down. They didn't pat us down, but, uh, you know, they did the check and give you a fresh mask, you know, which is, I get it, it's fine. And uh, we're, get, we're on our way. And uh, 
I'm like, answered prayer. We prayed, help us get through, because, you know, there's some red tape. Answered prayer. We get up to the, to the hospital room. On our way to the hospital room, we meet the chaplain of the hospital and chaplains. Got to have that conversation. Got to introduce them to one of the leaders. Neat moment. We go and we pray with, with one of our people. Have a cool prayer moment there. One of the nurses comes in, and I'm like, you know what? We don't just come to pray for our members. I'll pray for our nurses. So I'm like, is there anything going on that you'd like for us to pray for you? Thank you for caring for our, our loved one here. And uh, the gal turns out she's from the Philippines. And so I'm like, hey, we've got missionary friends in the Philippines. So we're talking about the Philippines for a minute. And uh, so she says, pray that I can just stay healthy so that I can care for people who are sick. How cool is that? And so we pray for her, find out her husband's not a believer, pray for, for that situation. Uh, we say amen. And she said, as you prayed, and she, again, Filipino accent a little bit, as you prayed, the hairs on my arms stood up. It's kind of a neat moment there. And I'm like, I think that's a God thing, uh, that God was using that. So that was Saturday. Uh, I'm two states, well, stayed away. Um, two, two days later, hey, can you come make another hospital call? I'm like, well, I'm out of state. So I called our leader who was with me. And he called someone else, and they went together and made a hospital call. I get a call from the chaplain. I don't know if you knew that. Cha- chaplain called me and said, hey, your men were here. They prayed for your people. So it just was kind of neat how God worked all that stuff out because someone came with. That's one example. That's something that I do, but you can do other things like that in your sphere of life. Just take someone with you. The cool thing is not just uh, the, the moments there in the hospital room, but it's the hour in the car ride there and back. Just talking about life, sharing stories, learning about some life things. That's one example of what this could look like for you. Spend time with someone. And so Jesus is like, hey guys, come on. I'm going to take you. Take you off. We're going to have some quiet time, withdrawing, I don't know how long it lasted, because you get to verse 11, it doesn't seem like it lasted very long. Verse 11, it says, but the crowds learned about it and followed Jesus. He welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. That word for those who needed healing is the word we get our word therapy. So he was therapying them, giving them therapy. Do you notice that Jesus did the same thing that he gave his disciples the power to do in verse 1 and 2? Preach the kingdom of God, healed those who needed healing. Common theme in the ministry of Jesus. Preach the kingdom, heal those who are, who are sick. What I love about Jesus, the crowds come and kind of invade their personal retreat time. Jesus goes said, hey, time out, disciple time, got to leave. Not happening. He's like, come on over. Come on. Let's talk. Healed those who are needing healing. Spent time with them. He welcomed them. And so even though he's had this moment with just his 12, he was willing to let some interruptions happen. You look through the Gospels, it's really just one interruption after another with Jesus, isn't it? And so he just welcomes them and says, okay, let's talk. 
And it says that they're going to be in this remote area here later on. And so he speaks to them about the kingdom of God. He heals those who needed healing. Again, you read through Luke's gospel. He's, you know, Dr. Luke. He's, he's focused on how Jesus is the healer and people, sick people are getting well, both physically and spiritually. Jesus is spending some time with them. I think that's one way you spell the word with. Time. T-I-M-E. With whom did you want to spend time? When you were growing up, when you were, when you were a young person, who, who is that person or people that you just wanted to hang out with and spend time with? You got that person? Just think about it right now. Who was it? When I was about seven or eight, I got to spend a lot of time a summer or two with my grandpa. So that's me uh, driving the tractor. I'm like seven or eight years old. John Deere, that's my grandpa Wes. He's just turned 93 earlier this month. I had a couple memorable summers there on the farm with him. And uh, man, that was, I just felt like I was on top of the world that day. I could still just, you know, that's a, a picture of him and I. And I've got another one when I'm driving it. He, you know, usually the kids get off and open the gates, right? Your kid gets off, opens the gate, and then grandpa or dad drives the tractor through. But that day, grandpa got off the tractor. He opened the gate. And I drove that tractor through. I don't know if my mom was real happy about that. But I just thought, this is cool. That's just my grandpa. He's like, you're going to figure this out. Um, and he you know, showed me how to do that. And uh, he helped, I learned how, not learned, but I watched him and helped him lay block when he was adding on to their house. I remember having that canvas nail apron with the, the nails with the rubber washers. And we nailed... The, the sheet metal on top of the barn one, one time. I remember uh, getting to use the acetylene torch. That was so cool where I got to you know, get that thing cherry red and then once it glowed, you hit that little lever and blew it right off of there. And that was so, I still, still remember doing those things because we just spent time together. He was, I was with him. And that was enough. I didn't know what all he was teaching me that day in those lessons, but we just spent time together. This week, I got to see him, and I made uh, a walking stick for him. I wanted just to give him that. That's just Tuesday, or Monday morning, uh, Monday afternoon. That's my, my grandpa. And so, who are some of those people that you just like to spend time with? And when we think about our relationship with God, that's really all he wants. Hop up in his John Deere tractor and let him show you some things. Come sit in his living room and just be with him. The Bible closes with a cool verse. It's Michael preached on it a few weeks ago. It's our final um, Core 52 text. But it was Revelation 21, verse 3. From, from start to finish, God just wants to be with his people. From the start of the Bible to the end of the Bible, God just wants to be with you. Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
If you go to Matthew's gospel, he says, the, the, the angel says, you're to give him the name Jesus. You're to give him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So I invite you this week to make it a priority to think about your life with Jesus. At the conference this week, we attended a session uh, that Alex Kendrick spoke. I don't know if you recognize that name. He and his brother uh, made some of those movies, the Christian movies like Facing the Giants, Courageous, Fireproof, War Room, Overcomer, uh, some of those. And he was just telling his story, which was just neat to hear some of the God stories of how he provided for, for them to make those uh, movies. And one of the lessons that he said was, track with God in prayer. Track with God. He says, don't get ahead of God. That might be life over God. Don't lag behind God or drag behind him. You track with God. Track with him in prayer. As you think about the life with Jesus, what's your typical life with Jesus look like? Do you give him much of a thought? Are you trying to coax him into a blessing or a gift? Are you afraid you are disappointing him and not working hard enough? If those are your thoughts, then maybe you're missing the point of living with Jesus. Maybe relating to him in one of those incomplete ways to live with Jesus or walk with Jesus or journey with Jesus. Time with him is enough. So what would it look like if you spent morning, noon, and night thinking on Jesus? Just thinking and praying and just talking with him. Listening. Some time in the Word, but it's not a checklist. This is just with Jesus time. What would it look like if you allowed Jesus to take you to a quiet place like he took the 12? Withdraw just to spend some time together. You could tell him about your day. He can show you something cool about his Word, the Bible, or the world around us that he spoke into existence. What would it look like if you joined others and Watch Jesus welcome them and teach them and heal them. What would it look like if you were asked, what's the most valuable treasure in the world? And you have a sparkle in your eye and you say, Jesus, my time with Jesus is the most valuable part of my life. Here's what it boils down to today. To follow Jesus, we must go with Jesus. I hope that maybe you will find one of those examples of what it would look like for you this week and say, okay, I'm going to walk with Jesus this week and I'm going to do it in a specific way and just pick something out that can help you focus on what walking with Jesus looks like this week.